Good evening, wherever you are, and thank you very much for joining us on Just Like the Movies. A very special episode, as I am prone to saying these days, but this this time I really mean it, because before there was Bar Rescue, there was Roadhouse, and that movie was selected by my my very <laughs> handsome, very capable co-host, John, and, and I, I, I would love to hear more about why you picked that, John. So before you do that, though, why don't you tell everybody how you're doing? I'm all right. You know, we... Uh... We have gotten past some technical difficulties. and we're... Oh, I wasn't going to bring that up. Oh, you bring everything up. That's the beauty of <laughs> connecting with your audience. Uh, you got to peel back the curtain. But um, no, I'm doing all right, buddy. It's, you know, picked Roadhouse because I remember, you know, the Fight Club one was one of our more existential and cerebral and deep podcasts. And usually I pick the movie as we're recording that episode. But heading in, I was going to do something more serious. I was going to pick a Braveheart or something like that. But I was like, what's the opposite of a fight movie that has involves zero intelligence? <laughs> you don't really need to pay attention to the plot and you can watch people fight still. That's not Fight Club. It's the exact opposite of Fight Club. And I was like, Roadhouse. <laughs> That's so, interesting. It, it, yeah. isn't it, it is kind of funny, though, like going from movie to movie with this kind of like loosey-goosey style we have where there's no real theme. But sometimes we like there to be themes, but then sometimes you just want to get away from the kind of movie you were just doing. Like, you don't <laughs> want to do like... Like, it'd be kind of stupid to do like two Indiana Jones movies back-to-back or something. Or Yeah, I know. mean, I would never be against it, but I completely get you. Yeah. you know? But it's also funny that Roadhouse is one of the... Most ridiculous movies we've ever done. Oh my god! I and we've done Orgasmo. <laughs> we have, know? and you know it was funny when I was wa- when I was rewatching it this time. I did not realize how much Brad Wesley has in common with Max Orbison. Oh, that's that's a that's actually a really good comp because he's the uh, he's the mayor, he's the governor, he's the police, and the crime, and it and that's yeah. how the plot kind of develops. It goes from being this movie that plays the whole world of bouncing like completely straight like i'm sure that there's guys like that in the world but it's such like a niche thing um (laughs) along with that pronunciation of niche um but (laughs) like it devolves from that into this thing where well this guy not only were the problems at the bar that this guy was brought in to solve this guy's responsible for him he's also responsible for all the town's misery and it just goes from there. So like, it's I, like, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like a cousin to footloose or something. It's just I never like, saw footloose. I know that sounds weird, but I never saw it. No, no, no. You're right. Cause I haven't either, but I know it's all about like this whole town, like doesn't want this kid to dance. Or something. I, I tried to watch footloose one time. And at the beginning, there's just close ups of feet dancing. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't fucking <laughs> do it. It's like, you know, you can just fast forward through the credits. I'm like, Nope. I, yeah. I for whatever reason, yeah. Uh, but this isn't a half-assed Footloose podcast. We're here to talk about fucking Roadhouse. So, yeah. what's funny about Roadhouse is, like, Fight Club only had the one rule, but in Roadhouse, there's three rules. <laughs> well, Somehow, well, Fight Club actually had like eight rules. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I think I don't know where you're at with this movie, but I think like there's nothing surprised me on my rewatch because I, you know, I've seen Roadhouse maybe a couple years ago, or whatever on TV or you know what what have you, and it's definitely not a movie you, you watch on like basic cable because it just all that comes with it. 
in terms of the you know the nudity and the the violence and the language and everything it's very non-pc it's very 80s it's the death blow of the 80s 1989 um you're right in the middle of you know the the for george bush's term and it's the transition into the 90s grunge hasn't popped yet like we're still very 80s at this point and it's just unapologetic and as time goes on and people get more uh and i don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole but you know people get more pc and more offended by things they're probably not offended by this movie is uh a top offender i mean one of my beefs with this movie was it just didn't objectify women enough like i think there could have been a lot more objectification of women like so we we never talk off air about the movies because we try to just like organically have our conversation Yeah, try to keep it fresh or at least create the illusion that it's fresh spontaneous right and one thing we did bring up when we were trying to noodle through our tech issues was that julie michaels was only like 18 or 19 when she filmed her part in this movie i I didn't know i didn't know that oh well i looked it up because i was like Mm -hmm. i because you know what i did You, you know you watch a movie that takes place a long time ago and if you're a guy who's into women, you say, <laughs> I wonder what it, what is what every guy say. If you watch an old movie with a hot woman in it, you say, yeah. I wonder what she looks like today. <laughs> Which almost never goes anywhere good, by the way. So you, so, but... so I, go- I Googled it and I Googled her and I was like, holy shit, she's only 52? So I do the math. I'm carrying the one. I'm doing the division. I'm like, all right, this movie came out in 89. Mm -hmm. So it came out when she was 19, which means she probably filmed it when she was 18. Yeah, man. And talk about barely legal. And she's like having scenes where she's all all about uh, Dalton, who, you know, Patrick Swayze, I think it was like 37 or something at this time, maybe even older, 40. Who knows? It's just so it's just so interesting how. None of that ever mattered. I, I That whole thing, dude, about... I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast at least once because it's just something that sticks in your memory that time of life. But I remember when I was in sixth grade, I lived in Texas. And there was... The, I Like, I was at a new school. I didn't know anybody. And there was this girl in my class. And she was, like, a woman at 11. Like, it, it was... And I, I'm saying that in that way because I'm not talking about it like through the lenses of an adult. It was like I was this goofy, chubby little kid, and I was like, <laughs> "That's a woman." Like, and you know, you, you're just starting to find out like what your libido is all about. And it was like, I was like, "I'm not even from the same planet as she is," and she was 11 years old. Like, yeah. so it just goes to show you, man. Like the whole thing about how you know women mature fat, like faster than men it's like it, like that always sticks in my head i still remember her name too but i'm not gonna say it uh <laughs> all right well hey look but she you know julie michaels is still around and now i guess she does stunt training and stuff like she's really like made a career out of herself and it looks like she has an instagram account and um she posted like a tribute to patrick swayze not less than a year ago so that's sweet you know yeah, but it, she is not ugly either. So I don't know how she no. looks now, but no, I'm she sure looks great. She looks great. She's holding up know? nice, huh? That's good. Yeah, yeah. So and that and and don't even, you know, I don't care what you're into, who who you're attracted to, you know, you know, everyone has the right and freedom to, in my opinion, like I everyone needs to mind their own business and let, let people live their lives. 
but I'm saying like if you are a man who likes women and you watch an old movie and there's like a hot woman in it you're googling what she looks like today I don't care who the hell you are and, <laughs> and you're even though you know you're not 98% of the time she's gonna look like Robert Redford but you're gonna <laughs> do it anyway <laughs> You're absolutely right. She's going to look like Robert Redford or like, you know, one of the Hutt's cousins or something. Like, that's just how it goes. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? In fairness, the same goes for dudes, too. You so know, why looks... don't we just not talk about the movie and just object? Like, like you wanted to do like kind of a, a thought piece with with uh, Fight Club and not talk for ninety minutes and just see how yeah. people responded. Why don't we just let's just objectify women the entire time? Let's just talk about what we think is good, what we don't think is good. Let's just not <laughs> talk about Roadhouse at all because I mean this I movie. Think... I think that is talking about Roadhouse. Because <laughs> this movie, like, I remember one of the few times, probably the, one of, like, I think maybe, I know for sure when we were talking about The Rock, you did. But, like, this movie is just pure cock. Like, it's just, like, yeah. wall-to-wall masculine yep. nonsense from right. beginning to end. And yep. so many weird um, I often use the phrase like kind of elevated reality and this movie kind of takes place in an elevated reality where a guy is such an elite bouncer that he, people know him by reputation. They know his name and yeah. there's all these bizarre public displays of things like a guy going out onto a dance floor twirling a, po- a pool cue or like a girl just randomly Julie Michaels just doing a strip tease. For no like and it's like you live in a world where these things just happen and she was yeah. doing that on behest of a guy who was like beating the shit out of her in the last scene yeah yeah it's it's a it's a it's a wild <laughs> wild movie think and, you know it's it feels like it, it really does feel like it's a completely different era like you you can't like they're make they're they made they filmed a roadhouse reboot i guess with jake Hall as dalton and like Conor McGregor's in it, probably is one of the henchmen. Yeah, and, you know that sort of thing. That that movie's not not going to be even remotely that you can't make this movie today. Yeah, because yeah, they're no try- one will touch it. There's they're no trying way. to modernize it, like they're trying to make it like the. Well, I think yeah, you said Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be like the Dalton part, but he's like an ex UFC fighter who goes yeah. to this bar in the, I think in the Florida Keys <laughs> to like clean mm-hmm. it up, but it's yeah. not like. It does, yeah. It doesn't follow the same thing. It's not like he's been doing that his whole life or whatever, or his whole adult life. And then they had the, they did have a sequel to this that came out, and they made they made the character like Dalton's son or something, but he was also a DEA agent. God. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was the you know, the Ronda Rousey one that got shelved. Yeah, she got kicked in the head by Holly Holm, and they canceled it. Yeah, it was like she lost one fight and she lost her movie deal. It's like damn, yeah. cold world. Yeah, Showbiz. that's why. Yeah, that's why I lost my movie deal. I was in one fight. I got, <laughs> I got punched right in the dick, and then uh, that was it. Oh, who did that, dirty bastard? <laughs> um, so I... the, here's the deal. This movie uh, obviously was nominated for a lot of Razzies. Um, we're not here to like to try to tell you why it's actually uh, uh, the the equivalent of the piano. <laughs> it is not, but it's better than the piano. Um, <laughs> But I'll, I'll say this, like it, there's something there's just something so purely um, nostalgic about seeing old school Patrick Swayze 
and you know whether it's point break which we'll do at some point on the podcast or even dirty dancing which i grew up on because i have a sister who's a year older than me and a mom and they watched it all the time and i watched dirty dancing all the time and i actually didn't dislike dirty dancing because i guess i was so indoctrinated into it but the point being you got patrick swayze and he's the leading man and he even sings and he does songs and he's in shape and he's got that ridiculous mullet who they which <laughs> i guess they they joked who you know he probably had the most hair care product in his hair that out of anyone in this movie including the women mm-hmm. so it's just like he, Patrick Swayze is just he is an era man. He is a staple of a certain era of filmmaking, right into you know his role in Ghost and and that sort of stuff. You, you but, know what's funny though, like people who love Ghost, he was offered two other movies that he did not do because he got a knee injury filming this one. So he could have either been in uh, Pre- he could have either been in Predator Two, or tango and cash and he would have taken kurt russell's part which how did no how dare you yeah well i i mean i think that would be interesting would he have been better than kurt russell in that part no but like it wouldn't it still would have been maybe interesting to think about was he supposed to be the danny glover role in predator 2 yeah oh wow that actually wish i could have seen that i i don't know if it really would have changed anything because predator 2 was i don't like predator 2 i mean it was like the whole when you take a concept like predator and like especially how it is now like how crazy it is mm-hmm. um when you try to expand it and then the oh they've been coming here for hundreds of years it's like i don't know but anyway um <laughs> yeah, are you talking but, about roadhouse <laughs> yeah i don't know we we're having a hard time getting out of the rails with roadhouse okay we'll do it like this maybe so I, you talked about the nostalgia of the movie, like how Swayze was an era. I also attributed that to Joel Silver's involvement, the producer, mm-hmm. because, you know, you get a lot of those familiar beats, like even, and then Michael came and doing the music too. Like, it's like when they're having that fight on the beach, it's like that could easily be a seed from Lethal Weapon or maybe like even like Shades of Die Hard. Like you just, when you have the, when you get those like teams together and they bring in the same people, it kind of creates like a, uh, I don't want to use this word because I'm going to sound like a, like like I'm talking out of my generation, but it creates kind of like a vibe. Like you, you it's like oh I'm, I, it's like oh this feels familiar to me, but it's, it's not a vibe. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I shouldn't have yeah. done it. Um, no, it's alright. It's a feel. <laughs> it's a mouth feel. Don't use <laughs> no, mouth you're, feel. You, you, I think you're right there. I I also uh, to go back to your point about how this movie's all about just like a big cock measuring contest. It's uh. <laughs> You know, even the guy who, by all stereotypical standard standards, should likely have a tiny cock. They give him, literally, give him a Bigfoot monster truck. You know, right? It's a, they're just like, all right, everyone in this movie is just going to be big dick swinging, and if this guy looks like he doesn't have a big dick, we're giving him the, the most famous monster truck in the history of the world, and he's <laughs> driving through a dealership. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I want to get back to that like a little later, but I was trying to think if in Brad Wesley's character, right? So he's like the he's like the big buck and he Wesley He but like was his behavior always this off the rails, or it was like Dalton coming to town like brought the crazy out or it was like it's like a late period unhinged gangster thing because it's like if he was doing this shit all along like the people would have turned on him so long ago 
I think because Red alludes to it being like this ongoing, like, unwritten rule about how he's treated and stuff like that, that it is something that's been going on. But I don't know. And I don't know if the people who wrote it know. It's almost like, you know, that movie, fuck, that fucking movie Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone, where at one point the continuity is so bad that they accidentally flip the literally the main character's name to Hawk Lincoln versus Lincoln <laughs> Hawk. Oh, man. So it's like, I don't think that, like, that's, that's though, I think we've uncovered the beauty of this movie is it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Like, I, like an hour into this movie, they, they, they could have started calling Dalton Dennis and nobody <laughs> would have known the difference. <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter, dude. Yeah. It does that movie thing where, and I've, and I, I've complained about this before. And the example I cited was in Black Panther when they made the villain, like he was a Navy SEAL who went to MIT and, but he talks like he has an eighth grade education. And in this one, it's like Dalton's a bouncer and he's like this Zen guy and he has a philosophy degree from NYU. But then in the last half hour of the movie, he's completely crazy. Like he's, <laughs> he's diving at guys driving motorcycles and, you know, ripping their throats out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's I did point. like how in the beginning they they they're they're setting that that stage for it, and it's like they make it sound like a tall tale, and it's like, yeah, I heard he ripped a guy's throat out, and, he, and the other guy just goes bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> and then plot twist, he did rip a throat out, and he, yeah, and he'll do it some, again. That's that's a lethal dose of foreshadowing right there. <laughs> um, I I mean, you know, Swayze was nominated for a Razzie for his performance in this, and I was like thinking back on like what's like the uh the deep scene of the movie and it's probably when he sees uh wade on the bar and he's like all right time to go i said only one one round or whatever and he flips he turns him over and he just has the knife in his in his chest or whatever but he just immediately like nobody would immediately react that way and just be like oh he's dead he'd be like you would check for a pulse you would try to like do cpr you would freak out a bit more and he's just like oh he's dead it's, uh, you know, maybe he just, just saw the knife and just I don't know I mean it's I, and he does that crying thing where they clearly put the freaking saline in his ears so that he had tears running down his face it's just like you know it's it's funny because it's it, it's so bad <laughs> but they needed that type of scene in this movie and they tried I know the original cut believe it or not was like three hours and three and a half hours long. yeah yeah I was gonna I was gonna mention that but you you beat and me where to it. Where they probably hurt the movie is their biggest attempt at some sort of connection between two people because the chemistry between Dalton and the doc was like two first cousins. Well, apparently it was worse because originally it was Annette Benning that was in that part. Oh, and, man, well, I wish. Really? Yes. I don't, we've gone over this. I, don't, I, I know, man, but I, I don't get it. Like, I, I always think about her as that character from The American President. Who was just so American Beauty? Oh banged yeah, banged out by Peter Gallagher. No, I always just picture her as like having like a like a soccer mom flat top, and then like she's mm. just being really insufferable all the time. And then Warren Beatty married her for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, but but apparently they had no chemistry, and she got fired from the movie. Which imagine Annette Annette Benning, an Oscar winning actress, getting fired from fucking Roadhouse. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that like that's just one of the many many reasons you can cite why this movie is like probably one of the most insane movies that the '80s churned out, which is like not a small feat. 
when you think right. about the shit that was being made back then. And you remember, like Meryl Streep was cast in like Commando and she got like fired. <laughs> oh my for god. For complaining love- about catering or something. <laughs> so like sorry, Meryl, you're out. What yeah, what would she be? The Ray Don Chong part? Like she'd yeah. be the, she'd be the stewardess? Yeah. She's like, Oh, these guys eat too much red meat. <laughs> oh, I can't believe this macho bullshit. <laughs> Everybody wants that lifestyle matrix. <laughs> Here I am on a Roadhouse podcast quoting the Devil Wears Prada. Oh man, what a yeah. film! My my yeah, I'm 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 on a journey. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I I you know Sam Elliott's claims he he's recognized most often by this movie. I think that's a load of shit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I I mean, there's so many other things he's done, you know, that he can be recognized for. But you know, uh, us as old school wrestling fans, like Terry Funk, hardcore legend. Terry yeah, Funk. dude, I didn't know that was him. And, yeah, because I was I, I saw that when I was like doing my prep or whatever you want to call it, and and, I, and he there was something vaguely familiar about him. I couldn't put a finger on it, and and I haven't watched wrestling in like 20 years. But oh, it's it's brutal. Yeah, it's I bet it's really fun. bad. But like, I was actually just talking about this with my brother the other day. We used to be huge wrestling marks, and I'm like, I can't even imagine watching wrestling now. Like, what it's, it's like. horrendous. But it's horrendous. When I remember seeing Terry Funk, it was always because you would see him the way they shot wrestlers. They'd be by themselves, so they just look how they look on their own. And then you see, but and plus he was like a little older, a little broken down, a little more bow legged. Like his knees were bad. He'd been through so many hardcore matches. But 1989 Terry Funk was like he was a giant. Like that's why. Like I guess I just didn't think of him as like you put him next to Patrick Swayze and all these actors, and he looks like gigantic. And, and, yeah. And I guess you take that for granted with professional wrestlers because the way they dress and the way they the the, the way they come out and when they're around each other, you, there's no real gauging of size because they're all yeah. they're all huge he, to a certain degree. He was 44, so he. You know, he could, he, and he wrestled all through 2017, and he's still alive today at age 78. But um, when I saw, Ter- yeah, when I saw Terry Funk in this, I kind of forgot that he was in it too. But then I remember, like, I remember thinking that there was a wrestler in it, but I'm not remembering that it was Terry Funk, you know? And he had that resurgence around the time that we loved wrestling in the late 90s where he came back and did all these matches with Mick Foley and stuff like that. Yeah, he was at ECW. And, then yeah. he got the he got the contract with the Fed, and like because yeah. yeah. they were trying to get that their hardcore thing going. Yeah, they were trying to steal it, that corner of the market too. So maybe like McGregor is playing that role in in the new one or something. I don't know. They're gonna get like a you know a, a UFC fighter. But I, I think in the new one the roles aren't gonna conform to what we know. Like there's gonna they're gonna yeah. It, I mean there's gonna be the same general like like who's the guy who's gonna have the CFNM scene in the cooler with the with you know just buck naked but the girl has all her clothes on and we're banging. Yeah, man, that guy was a that guy was a, Steve was ahead of his time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. And then what does he say? Your history. Yeah, <laughs> your history. <laughs> And that to the to the part. I, my favorite one is that he when he fires the bartender. Oh yeah, that's goes, the best uh, one for sure. Consider it severance. Take the train. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, is there even a train? I don't remember. But he's just like no, not probably not Jasper, in Missouri, <laughs> where the film. But takes. Um, it's it's definitely a 
a wild, wild movie, and you got the the blind guitar player who was apparently really a musician, and uh, just with, and they had the chicken wire in front of the band to stop the beer bottles from hitting them, and it's just it's just a completely crazy movie all the way up to the end, where you know sometimes there's crazy ridiculous 80s movies and they try to like bring it down to earth at the end this movie just went crazier and crazier yeah it, it it really did man it's like the i'm just trying to imagine like a three hour 20 minute roadhouse like would it had it would have had to have evened this stuff out right because i know like some of the stuff that got left on the cutting room floor was there they developed the wade character more and he talked about his past yeah um I thought yeah. she was really annoying, but that Carrie Ann character, I guess they cut most of her scenes, except the one where she was inexplicably singing really well, and it obviously wasn't her. Like, <laughs> I, but they left that in. It just... Or, like, just that whole scene where the guys are... Like, like, the one dude is, like, inviting the guys to feel his girlfriend's breasts for 20 bucks, and it just goes on for way too long. Yeah, it's like it's like so all the shit you cut out of that movie is like you left that like two minutes of that scene in. I don't know. Because I got guys like I don't have any money. Yeah, I don't have any money. Then a fight breaks out, so that, <laughs> that brings it right back to Roadhouse. Like you got to have the fights because you got to have the fights and you got to have the bouncers who are trying to like do the right thing and they they're looking to Dalton who's holding his black coffee mug. And he's giving them the nod, like, and they're probably like, "What? All right, what do you want me to do here?" And just nods, and like, if I was one of those guys, I'd be like, "What the fuck does that mean? I don't know what that means." <laughs> do I fight him? Do I do I walk him outside? You know? Yeah, Patrick Swayze nice? does a lot of nodding in this movie. There's a lot of nodding. Like yes, when they introduce him, he's doing this weird like up nod to the music, like it's like yeah. not in rhythm, and yeah. he's just like doing this like he's like i'm enjoying this music can't you tell by my head by, by my weird <laughs> I did you mean for this to be like a roast i don't know because like i enjoyed the movie like i just it's not like a movie i would talk about like it's good i don't know like yeah you know what that's I mean? the thing i i enjoy it too i have fun watching roadhouse but i'm not gonna sit here and try to pretend there's underlying themes and shit like i try to find in other movies we talk about it's surface level late 80s cocaine driven uh non-politically correct complete un unadulterated madness yeah and i it, it, it is it, like i was watching it i was like i hadn't seen it in years and i was like but it was weird because i remembered the first time i ever heard about this movie and it was when i was like i was a kid and some kid on the bus had watched it and he was talking about it and I remember even when I was 10, he was talking about, yeah, there's this guy and he goes around and he fixes up these broken down bars. And I was like, that sounds ridiculous. When I was a kid, I thought it sounded stupid. And, but I don't want to get into this whole thing either where there seems to be a lot of, like a, like a divergent thing with this movie where the people involved are trying to claim that there was a lot of the stuff that people find unintentionally funny about this movie was intentional. Like, that's what the director said at some point. He said, like, the fights were supposed to be kind of like Keystone cop melees. Those were the words he used. And um, and I also don't like the whole... I, I, I think in general, but in regards to this movie, too, where, where people like things ironically. Like, oh, it's just so bad. I'm going to waste an hour and 40 minutes of my time watching it. <clears throat> it's yeah. like... 
you have to enjoy it on some level because yes why yes. else would you waste your time with it unless your your life is really that devoid of meaning and empty and you're just looking to fill time it's like i'll spend almost two hours watching a movie i don't like so that i can talk about it later you know no yeah no no doubt about it and you know there's there's a lot to be said about how over the top it is and it certainly is and i but i think in earnest when it was being made in 1988 that's just how things were then yeah there wasn't there wasn't this filter of like silliness it was just like look at all the stallone movies of that time look at a lot of the arnold movies of that time look at all of your main action-based movies around that time they were all ridiculously over the top Including the movie Over the Top. (laughs) And Patrick Swayze was disappointed. Like, he thought this movie was going to... He had just come off of Dirty Dancing. And he thought, like, this was going to be that level of hit when he was making it. And he gave... Like, in in all fairness, I know, like, you kind of commented on his performance. And I'm not saying what you're saying is invalid. And at the time, his performance wasn't very well received. But he really went... Like, physically, really went all out for this movie. Like, he thought... He was quoted at one point. He said something like, I don't know if I'm going to survive making this movie. Like, especially yeah. the big fight scene with Jimmy, played by Marshall Teague, who's been in... If you go to his IMDb page, it's ridiculous how many movies and TV shows that guy's been in, <laughs> which is really cool for him. But they they did this huge fight. Apparently, what happened was they, they both show up on set and... Uh, Marshall Teague said that they didn't really like each other. He said it. What he even like didn't go pretentious on it. Like it wasn't like a method thing where they're antagonists. Like they have an antagonist re- relationship, so that that's how they were gonna go about. It's just they didn't really get on. They didn't really talk. And then yeah. they have to shoot this giant fight scene that took five nights to film. Which some people I didn't realize this because I read this whole article about it. Some people consider that like the greatest, like one of the greatest fist fights ever put on film. And part of the reason is because it's, you know, we did Fight Club like last time. And one of the central premises of Fight Club is that when men fight, regardless of the outcome, it draws them closer together. Like it creates like brotherhood. And in this movie, that kind of happened. Like these guys were like trusting each other to do this fight scene. And they were trusting each other to throw real punches and throw real kicks. And, um... The scene where he hits him with the log, that's a real log. And he thought yeah, it was a prop log that. and he broke a couple of his ribs. And they, they just kept going. And apparently they became really good friends after that. And were, were friends until Patrick Swayze died. Because when mm. this article I was reading, uh, the actor kept referring to him as Buddy, which is like his nickname. Like there's yeah. actually a little scene where it has Buddy's corner and it's where Patrick Swayze's standing. But he would like like when he's telling like he's like doing this oral history thing, talking about this big fight scene he shot. He kept calling him Buddy, so mm-hmm. I guess like they were really that tight, or at least yeah. And, and yeah, I think all that stuff is cool because you always like hearing stories about cast getting along and um, enjoying you know making these movies because I think what like Roadhouse sort of is. It's a product of its time, not to sound cliche, but 100% is. Um, I mean, you had two writers on it. One was actually a woman. So we, we, we talk about how like it objectifies women, but one of the screenwriters was a woman, and she was actually an uh, Academy Award-nominated writer for Wag the Dog about oh, eight wow. years later. 
Yeah. So Hillary Henkin. So, you know, people like, I, I'm sure one of the talking points of uh, uh, people would be like, oh, Roadhouse is just like, man made that movie who hates women or whatever. It's like, no, one of your screenwriters was a woman. She, she put pen to paper too, along with uh, David Lee Henry, who I'm not very familiar with, but I guess he did 8 Million Ways to Die before this, um, which uh, is some sort of like noir neo-noir action movie with jeff bridges and rosanna arquette uh-huh. which i haven't seen so i'll have to check that out yeah but- I, re- I remember seeing commercials for that when i was a kid like the local fox affiliate would show these movies and the and they had this announcer guy who had an even deeper voice than i do and he would <laughs> like and he'd be like he would, uh, he, i remember he did one for the the black hole with maximilian Sh- but like anyway that's that's neither here nor there but that's the <laughs> only reason i know that movie exists but uh, yeah, the, the the like even with your female lead, where they show a close up of her ass as she's walking away, and then Sam Elliott's like, "That girl's got entirely too too much brains to have an ass like that." It's like, who wrote that? Was it <laughs> was it was it the woman involved? Was it a directorial choice? I don't really know. You know, I don't know. But but as much as it's a product of the late '80s, it's also like hindered by that in a weird way because i think the movie was made in earnest and people again we've talked about this on the podcast where people will, will like take something that's old we uh the dirty harry podcast we talked about this yeah how how people sort of take today's standard of what's acceptable what's appropriate and what's right and apply it to things that happened decades ago even before they were born you know and you can't do that because it's it's just that's how things were then and I so I I look at these things always in their own little bubble of when they were made, and it's funny because this movie did not do well at the box office. It made sixty worldwide, thirty in the U.S. Um, but allegedly, its budget was only fifteen. So I know, but I think they expected more. Well, from yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And then then it 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 picked up on video because you had little horny dudes uh, <laughs> who were older than us at the time. Uh, convincing their parents to rent it for them or, or like, you know, downloading it or not downloading, but watching it on, you know, pay-per-view or whatever it was. But because you look at the cover of the, of the VHS, which is, I assume, what they have on the Wikipedia, it looks like it anyway. And it's him one foot up against the wall, leaning back, you know, like classic, like 1980s dude shot. And then there's three stills from the movie. One of is him shirtless in a fight pose, like in, the, in his like yoga. Whatever yeah, I think it's what he's doing at the Tai Chi in the yard. Tai Chi. The second one's the romance of like the passionate kiss, and the third one is like a truck blowing up, the no, car I, blowing up. Yeah, his Mercedes blowing up. Yeah, his yeah. Mercedes blowing up with the knife through the pedal, and it's just like they want to show you, you're gonna this. We got something for the ladies. You got your shirtless Swayze. We also got the romance, and then we're gonna blow shit up, including <laughs> fancy Mercedes cars. We got it all. Come rent Roadhouse, and then apparently it became a cult hit. It picked up steam on video and. And maybe like Fight Club in that way, where it's something that that picked up steam as time went on, uh, but obviously not as quality of a film. But it has its own its own place, and it's it's fun to watch Roadhouse. You know, the, I, I I would hate myself if I watched Roadhouse and was like, that's like so turned off by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like when I when I was looking at this like this whole thing with the uh, this movie was inspired. Basically, from what I read, and I don't know, it was inspired because one of the writers heard a story about how there was some guy in a town, he was like some bad guy, and he just got killed in plain sight, nobody said anything. 
and the story kind of evolved from there. But I like again one of the things, and I'm not. A lot of these things are going to sound like complaints, and they are to a certain extent. But it doesn't keep me from enjoying the movie or anything. But it goes from he's a bouncer to he's basically like you could have taken that ending and put it in any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, yeah. any Stallone movie. Any like any action hero from that era, and it was the same thing where it was like he goes from being whatever occupation they set him up as in the script to okay, this guy's basically a special operative. Like he <laughs> broke into this guy's house and he incapacitated or killed multiple people off camera, yeah. and then like it just. But but again, it's like it's part of the what I would I you know I guess I would consider the charm of the movie. It, it's like it it does just change shifts. It just sh- or shifts tones so rapidly and so abruptly and it's like and it's like you don't even know what you're watching at times there's so many good you make a good point because the ending is ridiculous like the the chubby dude gets incapacitated by a wooden statue of a polar bear i mean it was actually stuffed polar bear yeah taxidermy polar bear yeah yeah, whatever it was, it's just that's ridiculous. Either way, it's just in, it's so it, he got like knocked out, and then he wakes up ten minutes later, and he's on the good guy's side. Then it was it's almost just like, yeah, it was almost as bad as when uh, that that guard in Austin Powers got run over by the steamroller. Uh, like yes, it is the, the like polar that. bear statue just coming at him. The guy's just standing there like a like yeah. a, like just does a total prat fall, just like Ooh. yeah, yeah, and it knocks him out somehow. Yeah, um, I mean but, he probably weighed more than that stuffed polar bear. That tubby oh. fuck. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Who am I though? I need to cut a few lbs myself. Dude, that guy. Um, that guy was like four bills. Like you're, yeah. you're a long way from there. A long, long yeah. way. Yeah, that guy probably needs Vaseline and a shoehorn to get in and out of his car. <laughs> he needs a tree horn. A Jackie tree. Hey, horn. dude. I'm Jackie Treehorn. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the double deuce. <laughs> double deuce. Would you ever go to that bar? I mean, the funny thing is that bar actually reminds me of a, a lot of this bar that we went to once, and it had Roadhouse in the name, and it was in Sandusky, Nick's Roadhouse. And Wait, it was like a place where we saw that band. It was a huge, yeah, it was a huge bar like that. It had a, it had a, ba- it had a big stage. I like, I wish I remembered more about my time there because that bar closed years ago, and I was never like coherent when I was in there. Like, cause we, we knew one of the, one of the bartenders was friends with one of my friends and she would always like, just ridiculously hook us up and our bar tab would end up being like eight bucks. And that was, I have just constant, like when I think back on that trip and we, we went out to see you guys in Ohio, we went to like uh, Cedar point and all that stuff. Just how, how, I mean, I love my life, but how free I was in terms of like, I didn't have that many bills. Uh, I hadn't even. I had. I was just in the process of buying my condo. You know, I didn't have kids to worry about, and I was just like, my biggest problem was, am I going to run out of cigarettes? Or, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And between <laughs> between the six of us, we were sober for maybe fifty minutes during yeah, like a three we, day trip. So, it was insane. Yeah. Somehow we we woke up feeling okay the next day. You know. But, well, that and that's. I mean, that's another thing. You talk about it being a product of its time. It's like. I don't even know. Maybe it's because I I was old before my time. I don't even know like if a bar like that would fly now, because it's mm. people like smaller stuff. They like 
quieter stuff. I mean, I, I there's always going to be a market for that kind of thing, but I don't think you're going to see like 800 people trying to pile into a like a bar like that. I mean, I like I'm, I'm probably going to get corrected, but it just seems to be like that's like those days are over. I like, don't know about that, but who? I mean, I think people still look for that to. Uh interaction and stuff like that they look for they like the action of it you know if you're single and you want to meet someone and stuff you, you go to those types of places or yeah or you go to a place like that in dc and it's like 90 percent guys like oh well there you go yeah that 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 happens to you like once or twice and then you just stop you either stop going to those places or you just keep hoping you just keep going <laughs> i forget yeah sometimes i forget you're in D- around dc for a while yeah. um so double deuce double deuce <laughs> um so that type of bar, uh, would you go? Know. I'm sorry. I, I, where are my manners? Like you asked me, and I went on this huge tangent about roadhouse no. type bars. No, no. Would I go now? Probably not. Uh, 15 years ago, probably. But oh, for sure, but, you would have been there 15 years ago. Yeah, probably. <laughs> 2007. Oh for sure, you would have been there. <laughs> oh yeah, I would have been there. <laughs> I would have been. I would have been. Uh, I would have been walked out. Probably. You, probably, you probably would have had like two, fr- at least two guys that worked there that you became friends with. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I would have been doing shots of Jaeger for all I know. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's old school yeah. Johnny shit. That is old school. Now that I think, now that now I think of Jaeger and I get heartburn. But <laughs> <clears throat> I'll have to try it again because it's been a while. We'll see. But. Um, anyway, back, back onto the movie. People don't care about my old drinking habits, but, um, yeah, that bar, like the bar itself, like its presentation feels like you want to check it out. Cause it's got the cool, like sign out front. And I see your background's helping me because your, your background right now is literally the front of the double deuce. <laughs> um, and you got the red lighting on the trim and it's got the big porch where people can go outside and smoke or whatever. Although there were probably people smoking inside back then. Uh, including Dalton, because we know Patrick Swayze was like a chain smoker, even though he was in insane shape. Um, but yeah, that's wild, right? Th- like smoking three packs a day, and he like yeah. And then yeah. you watch his movies, and you're like, oh shit! Like he's smoking at every scene. Yeah, I mean that's probably why he was so thin. Yeah, you know? it, it definitely um, helps. Definitely. Helps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but in terms of the bar, like I don't know, like it just seems. I feel like they could have done more with the bar and made the bar more of a personality in the movie. If you, if you catch my drift, like I, I feel like they're like, where was the, like, was there even a mechanical bull in there? No, but no. I mean, that was the thing with that place was it was, it was primarily like a music, like they use live music to draw people in, which, you know, yeah, still but usually you have today. other shit in there. I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to think of like what I, when I think about that bar, I feel like there was just like not much to it other than, the band on the one side and then just a bunch of tables and stuff. Well, like, like Joel, I guess Joel Silver said that when they first built the set, that it was too nice and they needed to take stuff out. Yeah. And like make right. It look more run yeah. down. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah. I don't know that I, I don't know that I would go to the deuce today or that the deuce would be something I would want to entertain today, but either yeah. way it works. It, it serves its purpose for the movie. But then, you know, in terms of like other characters and stuff like that, like, you know, I say like I I Google to see what like the the girls look like today and stuff. I do the same thing for male actors too, though, and like, cause I I always wonder and I always have this like theory 
that people just looked older back in the day. And it's so true because I was looking up that guy Red and he was like 52 when they made that movie. Mm-hmm. The guy looked like he was 87. Yeah, supposedly he was like part of the whole like Memphis Mafia thing. There's a lot of these. In like, real life? Yeah, there's like all these. Yeah, like the, the Elvis Presley one, like the <clears throat> that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I like I'm not too familiar with it. I just stumbled across it when I was when I was reading, but there's all these like kind of oblique connections to Elvis in the movie too. And and westerns. Like a lot of the names they pulled from yeah. like old western like Garrett and um what's the other guy's name? Like a they did with a bunch of them. like Wesley was another one was named after this notorious outlaw. Uh the guy who owned the bar too. Like but but his name is just escaping me. I remember he was. I remember he was an eight men out though, and then they had that weird shot where they framed him with that baseball poster. Like that had to be on purpose. Oh, uh, was it Kevin Teague? Yeah, but what was the char- What was the character's name? The guy. Uh, he says Teigman. it a bunch of times. Teagman or Tigman. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, they basically took his last name and then made his character that. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess yeah. Dalton was taken from, like, one of the writers went to some town in Georgia and, like, wanted to, like, it was Dalton, Georgia, and he wanted to use that as the name, I guess. I mean, yeah, it none of it matters, you know? It's a, it. Thanks. It's, it's, <laughs> no, I don't mean from your perspective. I just mean, like, you hear how they put these things together, and it's like, with this movie... I don't know that any of that really makes a difference whether you know what why they were called what or who was called what i am fascinated about what you just said though about red west being friends with elvis i didn't know that yeah you should check that out because i i I think i think he was involved with that somehow i think but no you're right i'm looking it up there's all pictures of him right next to him pretty wild that's interesting yeah he was born in memphis yeah and and another thing in memphis yeah the director said that he did and again, I don't know how much of this is like trying to reclaim a movie that got kind of panned critically somewhat. Um, he said that like he tried to make it like a cartoon. Like there was a lot of primary colors. Like he said, um, one of the things they did for Kelly Lynch's character, because she was a doctor, they wanted to show her in a lot of red. So that's why she shows up in that one scene with that fucking dress that looks like it was like repurposed from a pizza parlor tablecloth. <laughs> um <laughs> That was like her first scene in street clothes. And, uh, <laughs> and like, you know, you talked about the whole, I wanted to mention this when you were talking about the success, because when we talked about fight club, it really bothered me that I couldn't, I didn't, well, I, not that I couldn't, but I didn't stumble across a number to kind of put like how much success did it have with home video rentals and home video sales? Like with this movie, it basically tripled its, like it went from being a $60 million movie to like a $200 million movie. That was where the, um, estimates i saw so it's interesting to think about these movies like and you you've mentioned it before that today's movies don't have that because of streaming and because less people are buying physical media um and if they are like the studios aren't really getting that cut like they used to or maybe 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 the cut went down but if certainly the volume is way down but now you have an idea like it that gives you an idea of if a movie catches on in home video like how much extra money that means mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's like a fixed thing or if it's more of a function of how much money it made to begin with but 
Um, I mean, for for like this movie to go from being a modest financial success to be like to bring in that kind of that kind of money, and then you know Patrick Swayze goes out to be in Ghost, which was the highest grossing film of that year. That's you know, pretty crazy. That's a good point. Yeah, because Ghost was 1990, right? Yeah, and but think about it. Think about if he had not done that movie and he had done like Predator Two or like he was in Tango and Cash, which. You know, I like Tango and Cash a lot. I would actually like to do an episode about that some point in the future. But, like, that's that's a movie like this where I can't say it's great. You know, it's not, like, a great movie. But I really like it. And, like, I grew up on it. So, like, you know, people in my family really like it. A couple of my friends or whatever. But, it, you know, it's not like you're like, oh, man. Like, uh, you, you go out recommending it to strangers because it's so good. Yeah, that's a good point. You know... In terms of Swayze's career, like Ghost, I don't know what Ghost did for him other than like he can say I was in Ghost, which is a big deal because it was a very successful movie, critically acclaimed, uh, won Oscars and a Whoopi Goldberg won an Oscar for that. Um, but then he does Point Break the next year. Um, and then you got Tu Wong Fu, which he did in 95. Uh, but then after that, it just started to go downhill and he had that that small role in donnie darko i remember he was in that movie black dog with uh meatloaf right with meatloaf yeah yeah, yeah. with a, a girl from my hometown was in that played his daughter hmm. um uh yeah but uh yeah and then he didn't really do too much you know from there on out and then he got sick as he was trying to film um uh a tv show like some kind of cop TV, the beast or whatever it was yeah i heard uh, that was a good show but it got yeah, canceled. Yeah, it's, unf- it's unfortunate. Yeah, he got he got the he got the scary one. He got uh, pancreatic cancer. Um, yeah, that's probably, uh, it's no joke. Probably from all the smoking, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> in terms of you know, I wasn't trying to knock his performance or anything. But one thing I will say, uh, I as campy as the movie might be, I I think Ben Gazzara was uh, a good villain. <laughs> Because he was unrelenting. It wasn't one of those villains that, that goes through this, you know, we, we like our villains evil and dumb. And uh, I think he at least checks the evil box off. Uh, well, you could say what you want about dumb or not. I think he probably could have made a lot of better choices as a character in terms of the, in the story. But uh, he's a good villain to me. I thought Brad Wesley was good because, and backed by the Michael Kamen music uh cues and stuff anytime he did something extra evil especially if it was to his own men it'd be that that ominous tones of music like this guy's really evil we need to remind you from a sonic standpoint um but i thought i thought he was a a really good villain i enjoyed uh wesley yeah i'm really glad you brought that up because it's been a while since we've discussed our mantra about because i i actually wrote when i was you know taking a few notes when i was watching the movie i was like I was thinking about the whole evil and dumb mantra for for villains that we have. And I was like, he's definitely evil. And it's like they went out of their way to show that he's like that in everything he does. Like in that one scene where he's just driving that cherry red Mustang and he's just weaving like uh, for no reason. Like like, why in the world would anybody drive like that except just to be an asshole? Like there's no reason for that. (laughs) And then he happens to almost run Patrick Swayze off the road just to, I don't know kind of create that connection i i mean i am curious though like i i know we kind of already touched on it but i is it like the whole theme of like i I know this movie isn't about themes really but the whole escalation thing where like 
he was always a bad guy and he operated, but like, it, it seemed like in this movie, it was either he was already on some kind of like downward spiral where his shit was getting so out of control, or if it was just Patrick Swayze showing up, just brought that out of him. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think of that? It seems like the, cause I don't think anything is too deep in this movie. Um, probably on purpose. Cause they, I, I'm sure they had a certain target they were going for. Um, which is, you know, teenage boys, horny boys, you know, whatever. But <laughs> I um, I think it's just one of those things like a, a person of power getting challenged by somebody or someone there to disrupt their process or their machine and like his ownership of that town. He's like, I got to stomp out this roach. And so then he became obsessed with Dalton because Dalton was really the only thing stopping his continual flow of controlling that town. So he just became his object of obsession. And as Dalton became a bigger and bigger problem, he tried to find other ways to hurt Dalton, which is, you know, hurt, killing his best friend and trying to harm uh, the people that he knew at uh, the Double Deuce. And also Red, the local shop owner who he befriended, you know. And it's just he tries to hurt him in all these ways, which feels like a very typical villain style behavior. So I think it was maybe nothing more than that. It's just like this guy's all of a sudden in my way and I got to stomp him out. Yeah, and I don't I don't have a clear answer except the one thing I would say is that how like that red guy was probably always a pain in his ass for all those reasons. Like they had that weird tacked on thing where like he was involved with Kelly Lynch's character early on before yeah. she went to medical school and that's his that's her uncle. So it's like those two probably never got along, but he, but he burned down his business in this one. Yeah. yeah. So it's like I think there there is a case to be made that like this whole thing kind of like spun him out of control, or maybe it was always going that way. You also, know, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Are we led to believe that Red died in the fire, and then when he shows up at the end, it's supposed to be this big like. I'm alive I don't know, real. like because everybody showing up at the end like that was so weirdly convenient. As it was often like Scooby Doo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're right. Like, because like I almost got away with it. That's <laughs> still one of my favorite lines from from Wade's World. I don't know why. <laughs> hey, old man Withers, how's the amusement park? Just great, Wayne. He just goes and he just ignores everybody. He goes back to drinking his <laughs> coffee. But yeah, like we, I guess that's one of the things that's, that's endearing about this movie, but maddening at the same time. It's like, man, it's like that. All those people showing up at the end and then like all being on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Then like, I didn't see anything. Like, where did he go with the shotguns? Like, are the cops <laughs> not going to find those? Like, did he put him in some fucking interdimensional rift? Or did he, like, just stash him in another room? Like, they're not going to search the place? It's like it's know. like when everyone knows that this guy's the bad guy, but there are people who are benefiting from it, from it. But then when they see him go down, they're, like, jumping the ship. So it's, like, the Bigfoot guy, you know? Uh, any, anyone involved. It's like, you know, like... Wizard of Oz when like they melt the witch and then all the monkeys are like, oh, there's going to go be a fucking flying monkey somewhere else now. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's, you, it's just that whole jump ship thing, you know, and it happens in, I don't know why I thought of Wizard of Oz, but yeah, I guess the, the sort of everyone surrounding the one bad person and the, then the bad person going down, but it's, uh, 
and how he dies is just kind of crazy because the dude took some shots. I mean, yeah, dude, like, he he almost got shotgun more than fucking uh, Alex Murphy. <laughs> yeah, he got yeah yeah he was like it was like Sonny Corleone style. <laughs> And and he's just he gets up and he's got a giant blast out of his shoulder and he's like, ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the coffee table, the glass top nineteen eighties coffee table was his final resting place. Yeah, I mean this, the the cinematic treatment of gunshot wounds is something that almost never gets old. Like if if you're watching Raiders of the Lost Ark and he's like he's fighting that guy and he has a bullet in his arm the entire yeah. time. Yeah, or gun accuracy in movies is way too good, yeah. and. That whole thing that we always talk about, which is uh, cocking an automatic, semi-automatic pistol. Yeah, you got to do that. Always. It's like, what? Yeah, we're just like always pumping the shotgun. Like, Yeah, even, always pumping the shotgun. Even though yeah. the route is racked, that pump's not going to move unless you hit it's the my least My least favorite trope in movies is when someone has like a standard issue... Uh, uh, like non-six shooter, like a like a semi-automatic handgun, and they're like pointing it at somebody, and then when they're really serious, you hear like the click. It's like what? Yeah, it's became like this. It's become like this weird like cinematic shorthand that that's like how yeah. because a loaded gun is being pointed at somebody isn't enough. But uh, yeah, in this like, movie. It I is. need to I need to let the audience know that now I mean it. <laughs> now I mean business. Oh man, no, no. I told Wesley. I thought it was good. I like, you know, Ben Gazzara. You know, I haven't. I know, obviously, the Big Lebowski plays Jackie Treehorn, Porn King, but I don't know him from a ton of other stuff. I'm sure you could probably rattle off a couple of things that aren't. He was as... in this movie. So there's this director named Todd Solons, and he makes these movies that are just incredibly depressing, and they're grounded in realism. And he plays. He, he's in this movie called Happiness. And he's like this older married guy, and because uh, it's filmed in the late '90s, early 2000s, and he was in that, and he played like kind of an interesting part in that. And he starts having an affair on his wife, and um, at the mm. end of the movie, he basically like shows that he's not interested in living anymore, but he's not gonna kill himself. It's like really, really kind of depressing. Um, gotcha. But uh, like he was in that. I thought he was in Hard Eight, but he wasn't in that. That was Philip Baker Hall. But yeah, I mean, most people know him as Jackie Treehorn. Then you have Sam Elliott as well, you know, for the, another. Oh, yeah. You got the Big Lebowski uh, re, uh, duo. Yeah. I made a joke a couple months ago that I was gradually turning into Sam Elliott's character from Roadhouse because my fucking knees are getting worse and my hair is getting grayer. <laughs> you start calling people Miho? Yeah, Miho. No, I can't pull yeah. that off. Apparently, he <laughs> came up with that. Like, he, that was his yeah, idea that's, for that's the character. Pretty cool. which, well, yeah. here's, here's the thing. Like, on paper. If you like read the call sheet on on this movie, and you're like, "All right, it's produced by Joel Silver, uh, it's written by somebody who's gonna be Academy Award nominated, co-written by somebody who's gonna be Academy Award nominated for screenwriting, it's got Michael Kamen doing the music, you have Sam Elliott, Patrick Swayze, Ben Gazzara, and it's it's about it's an action movie that takes place in a bar. You'd be like, this movie sounds freaking badass." Sounds pretty solid. Like this thing is gonna be a good movie, and it is because I I do enjoy it, but it obviously didn't land the way they probably thought it was. And it sounds to me, based on the things you're bringing up about, um, 
Rowdy Harrington, the director, mm-hmm. like it seems like he's retroactively trying to say things were done on purpose that probably weren't done on purpose. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I don't go in for that, man. It's like neither do I. Own it, like, dude. Fucking yeah. own it. You can't like let's not pretend that just because they do that all the time, like with movies that don't come out the way that it's like, oh, we this we meant for this to be like a dark comedy. No, you didn't. No. You did not. No, you didn't. No, no, you didn't. No. <laughs> I mean, we're being but, critical, and I realize making art is really hard, especially when you don't do it. But I, I don't go in for all this stuff. Like anything where you go in with like a retroactive continuity explanation to try to be like to try to make it to something it's not. I I like I dislike that almost as much as I like I dislike the ironic consumption thing. So it's like, oh my god, Roadhouse is so terrible. I've seen it like seventy times. It's like it can't. <laughs> is it that bad though? It, I can't think of anything I've hated that I've done 70 times. <laughs> that is, I, yeah, I get what you mean about people ironically liking things. And I, I, I can't, I have a hard time dealing with that, hearing people talk about it, it's, that. It's that a weird flex, as the kids say. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what you, are you? You're all in on the phrases today. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on, man. I, I, you're, you're, you're an entire vibe, Mike. I, I, I was at a, I was at a bar slash restaurant type of place i was watching a football game a couple weeks ago and a server i had was like she was like a gen z stereotype i don't know maybe that i, I don't know why i brought that up just now because i was just trying to think of why i'm fucking using all this slang i don't and use then he and... married her folks <laughs> no he did not <laughs> no because she would have wanted to get into like some polyamorous shit She'd be like, yeah, you know, I have I have a boyfriend and I like, you know, I sugar baby on the side. Like, are you cool with that? I'm like, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sometimes you're going to want to hang out. I'm going to be having sex with old men for money. Like, is that okay with you? No. Cool. You're like, well, actually. <laughs> it's like, th- like, thanks for sharing that with me. And then, like, my car just peels out of the parking lot. And I've never seen it again. <laughs> Driven by somebody else. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> so, me and Mike are uh, like two months removed from uh, both of us having two completely different cars. Mike's was stolen and mine uh, needed repairs that were beyond uh, worth its value. So um, here we are on the next phase of our vehicular lives as we march closer to uh, authority autonomously driven electric vehicles when we're in our 60s or something but never 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 ever no. i mean have you seen all the problems teslas are having now like the batteries cost like twenty thousand dollars like, easy now one of our one of our biggest listeners is a big tesla driver you'd be very careful just be careful man you know you're gonna have to take out a you have to take out a fucking loan for a new battery and Not nothing bad. works on those cars when the batteries die Nothing. Like, that, you can't even open kid, the doors. That kid pisses liquid gold. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry, Chad. <laughs> um, all right. So, we're at an hour. Um, I know this stuff we haven't really gotten into, but I got to ask you, as I always do, favorite scene in Roadhouse? Oh, how can you even pick a favorite? Like, I don't know. Probably, probably just because, like, I just because, like, I guess I've been feeling, like, I don't know. Just the throwback and how ridiculous it is and how good it was to watch. Just that stupid 
lap dance or, stri- or strip tease that fucking Julie Michaels does. Probably oh, my favorite scene of the whole movie. Yeah. New appreciation yeah, I, for it, that's for sure. I don't know, it's because I'm turning into a dirty old man or what. I mean, I didn't know she was like an 18 when she filmed that. She looked like yeah. she was like in her 30s. Like, not because she looked bad, but it's right. like you were saying, like, people just looked older back then. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. I, also, I like I just like any scene where, like, Patrick Swayze was just, like, kind of laying down the law. Like, it was just... I can't even think of one in particular. It's just when he comes in, he's just, like, sees everything and... Like, I, I really like that part of the movie more than it devolving into this crazy action revenge fantasy. I agree with you. I feel like this movie was, like, two different movies. Um, in at, sense, least, where at if you least watch, two different movies. Yeah, you watch Roadhouse front to back, and then you go back and watch the beginning. It should feel a bit over the top and ridiculous, but it feels a lot more subdued in the first half of the movie because of how insane the back half is <laughs> what about you what would you say your favorite scene is i was gonna say that too but um i i don't know it it's it's tough for me to say I, maybe the scene when uh when wade shows up finally to the double deuce and helps him out like there's something about that sort of like camaraderie like have your friends back sort of thing that i always yeah, and he didn't always, ask him to come, right? Exactly. It was, yeah, it's. I'm always a sucker for that sort of thing, that like loyal friend who has your back, sort of stuff. So, probably, the, and and Sam, and Sam Elliott with the long hair, and he's not like super fucking old, and he's still kicking some ass is just an interesting thing to see. Yeah, I so, kind of want to see that movie Shakedown he was in. I've never seen that, but he was in a movie with Peter Weller called Shakedown, and he's a cop, oh, and I think okay. Peter Weller's a, a attorney in it. I remember seeing mm-hmm. trailers for it all the time. And, and, of course, it was set to that song, you know, the Shakedown song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, and Sam Elliott was 44 during Roadhouse. Yeah, they kept telling, they kept busting out of how old he is. It's like this old man. I know, man. and, like, you and I are both 40, so. Yeah, I, get, <laughs> I actually thought that. They kept talking about, say that, yeah, oh, you broken down old man, you old man. I'm like, am I, was he... Because I looked it up, like, you know, as you probably did, too. I was like, yeah. he was probably in his 40s when he made this movie. And he was, like, 44. And I was like, oh, I'm... It was like, was life expectancy in 1988, like, 62 or something? Yeah, it was just, you were either you were either young and beautiful or you were just fucking done. You were just a, just a walking fossil. Just, a, just cremains <laughs> with stubble. Like fucking... Sam Elliott came out of the womb with fucking gray hair and like a, a big giant fat fucking mustache. I think if you saw a, how funny would it be to see a picture like of Sam Elliott from like the '60s, but like before the hippie '60s. Which this movie I saw the Limey made a really good point about how what people think of as the '60s was really only like a year and a half between yeah. like 19, it was like 1968 part of 1969 like the rest of the 60s was basically like the 50s like a lot of men in suits and like can you picture sam elliott like in a black and white picture from the 60s but he's wearing like a like a suit like he's an extra from a humphrey bogart movie and then he has like a pompadour haircut but it's just black and he's like clean shaven <laughs> it would look so bizarre i just googled young sam elliott and there's definitely this sort of Tom Selleck sort of thing because he had darker hair, but he still had the mustache. Oh, he still you know? had the stash. Okay. Yeah, and he's you know he's in good shape. Like, I'm sure the guy did all right. 
you know <laughs> so yeah dude it's it, funny because when he was in uh justified when he did a guest part on the final season of justified he was pretty good but he didn't have his mustache and he looked super weird he looked really he, weird without it he looks yeah the, so there's young pictures of him without his mustache and he looks like like greg brady or something you know like uh, he's one of those guys with a mustache like don mattingly like don mattingly without a mustache is a, is a sin you know and same thing with like a tom Selleck or like a sam elliott it's like there's some people where you're just like it's like santa claus with no beard you're just like what the fuck are you doing what are you trying you know yeah like like try picturing me without a beard i've seen you without yeah a beard. but like yeah. what but how long has it been i think 2008 <laughs> oh yeah i did i did i did shave my beard off on that trip <laughs> But uh, uh, I don't know. It, it's interesting because now I'm trying to look up those like old like yeah nineteen like fifties like first three seasons of Mad Men how men look. Of yeah, Sam that's what I was thinking. Like I, I mean, I my description was like not as succinct and you know. Little... Yeah, there's. So I don't know if it's his high high school picture or something, but yeah, he looks like uh, fucking Norman Bates. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, not fucking not Anthony a flattering comparison. Person. Does he yeah. look like Anthony Perkins or like Norman Bates? Uh, uh, yeah, either one. Yeah, okay. But he was apparently. I'm reading. Here's his high school book entry because you know whatever. He was voted best male vocalist and best personality in high school. That's cool. And he played all sorts of sports. He was on executive council. He he won like one of those like prom things oh, he, was, I, he was probably the coolest guy in school sam elliott you know usually like these actors are like late bloomers and they're like nerds and people don't like them and then they become super hot somehow and they like reflect back on their days like sam elliott was just always king yeah shit. And, th- and that insecurity like fuels them for the rest of their career and they like no yeah. matter how famous they get they always think like there's always a like they always think they could go back to being that like any at any moment I'm, yeah, I'm generalizing, right. but I mean, yeah, there's a lot. I, it seems very common, like because that's that's always a thing when people make fun of actors. They talk about how boundlessly insecure they are, which is you know something that makes me think I should have been an actor. But <laughs> yeah, me too, man. <laughs> me, me, me too. Me um, too. But anyway, um, so so yeah, Sam Elliott was always the king, I guess. So there you go. So you said um, your favorite scene was the striptease too, then. I answer? think so, just because yeah. I, I do remember seeing this movie when I was on the younger side and being like, oh, my God, she's so hot, you know? And yeah. that stuff just sticks with you. And it's just like just one of those things, man. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's no like, ginger spice, but, yeah, she's pretty hot. Yeah, right, yeah, right. And then she's flirting with Dalton, and he's, like, too cool for school about it and stuff. I'm like, son of a bitch. At least he didn't write that script like that. No. It's right. always funny when actors do that. Like, still, I... I got turned on to this um, YouTube channel that this guy's probably making a pretty comfortable living off, and all he does is just bash Steven Seagal movies. And he's like, <laughs> there's this recurring trope where there's always some young, beautiful woman who, like, throws herself at, like, Steven Seagal, and he's just, like, he's just, he's not having it because he's, because <laughs> he's too cool for, like, he's, he's above it. But then he ends up, like, getting together with her at some point in the movie, just not then. Yeah. Like, of course. But, yeah. Of yeah. course. But, like, this movie, um, like, the, the nostalgia about it, like, I was thinking about, it's the music, it's the, like, the credits with the with the instrumental guitar, like, oh, all yeah. that stuff. I really enjoyed seeing, uh, 
it was some, it was kind of a you like you mentioned Terry Funk, which I had to look that up. I didn't recognize him right away, but I did recognize the band, which later became known as Tito and Tarantula, who were in Desperado and From Dust Till oh, Dawn. The, the first band? Yeah, they were called Cruzados back then. But the lead oh, okay. singer, I can't remember his name, it's Tito something. But then he went on to form this other band, Tito and Tarantula. And then he was in like he kind of fell in with Robert Rodriguez, I guess, and he put him in those two which movies is, in the nineties. Which is a and I don't know if any of our listeners who are around our age, like whether you're late thirties or early forties or whatever, there's this weird time gap where things that are in the late eighties feel like they were decades separated from things that happened in the mid nineties. That's true. It's like it was like so much changed, like with fashion. Yeah, like fucking Desperado and music. was like ninety five, right? Yeah, 94, that, 95, yeah. It's only six years after Roadhouse, but it feels like this whole other generation. Yeah, because when you watch that, I mean, that, you want to talk about over the top, but fun. Yeah. Desperado, yeah. but, like, the action was so much better in that, and there was, like, more gunplay and all that stuff. But that, but you had a completely different director, too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was also yeah. fun, to, you know, and then you got the, the 80s cliches, like, he's the best. <laughs> they just, yeah, how did we not bring that up? We, we're we're right. doing it they, now. They, like, we're we're doing it live. Fuck it. Um, uh, yeah, like, that's the, right. He they do literally say that yeah, about Dalton, right? Yeah, because like, you're because he's the best. And then the way they all he, talk about him, like then like and then like at the, the beginning best. where the guys try to recruit him, and he goes, "You're the best." He's like, and, and it shows that like like it was kind of good shorthand, I guess, with the, how like how good of friends those guys were. And he's like, Wade Garrett's the best. He's sewing his arm up. Like, yeah, yeah. This is, Pain this is, don't hurt. <laughs> it was it was nice to see Dayton get a shout out too. Y'all yeah, right. This yeah. is worse yeah. than that toilet in Dayton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My co-host James is from Dayton. So yeah, that's kind of why I brought it up. Like I, I remembered he was from there, and I was like, yeah, because Day- Dayton's a rough town, man. There's a lot of fucking people from Ohio or who know people from Ohio. It's amazing the amount of people I talk to where there's some sort of Ohio affiliation. I don't understand it, but it's just crazy. It's the Connecticut uh, Western Reserve. That's where I'm from. <laughs> um, the the la- I know you know. There's not much else to really get into. I don't think. Um, I'm surprised we we went this long, but I think we've had some <laughs> fun talking about it. Uh, are, there, are any other aspects of this movie or scenes that? Because uh, we almost just missed the he's the best, and that would have really pissed us off. Oh so. yeah, for sure. The best. Yeah. You can't like because that's that was such an eight like a stock thing from the eighties. Like, like how many times? Does Trey Parker watch this movie for like inspiration for South Park? Dude, stuff? I I I was thinking about that. Like I know I don't I, like I don't want to like force all these things because I know we did both those movies recently. We did Orgasmo and Fight Club, but I can't help but think that vi- like maybe not this particular villain in Brad Wesley, but villains like this were the inspiration for the villain for Orgasmo. Like because you know we talk about how Trey Parker takes from all those things and he he emulates them so well. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know as far as this one goes i like we talked about the remakes i did want to bring up did you ever watch mcgruber yeah oh, <laughs> like yeah. how mcgruber like he has the thing where he's talking about how he rips throats out and then he actually oh, does it 100 and then <laughs> that's a great bad movie like it's yeah. not like i'm not gonna say i it, i think it's bad because i think it's funny but it's funny and like it's, it's supposed to be a spoof. Yeah, it's supposed to be a spoof, but it's funny in like some some ways where it's supposed to be over the top and kind of cringy at times. Like a lot of those Saturday Night Live movies where they're successful, 
Like, that's how they're funny in a lot of ways. Like, I thought Hot Rod was yeah. the same way. Yeah. But MacGruber was... It was just funny. I was I, when I was watching the scene at the end where it's all dramatic and he he has Wesley and he's he he brings his th- his arm back in that weird eagle claw motion, and I was I just thought about Ryan Phillippe saying, "I know you want the turkey," because <laughs> at that point that would have been three him three throat rips for his career. It would have been the oh, guy yeah. in Memphis, it would have been Jimmy, and then it would have been Brad Wesley. But then. Instead, he let him get sh- like shot to death, RoboCop style, in his fucking living room. Um, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. one thing I did want to mention was the guy who trained everybody how to fight because you know Patrick Swayze wasn't a martial artist. The Marshall Teague guy who played Jimmy was. He came from. He was ex-military and he studied martial arts and stuff, so it was pretty pretty good fit for him. But Patrick Swayze was a dancer, as many people are aware, and the guy who trained everybody. In kickboxing, was this dude named Benny Orquidez. He was like a kickboxing champion. He had like nine black belts. He was also the ghoul in um, Gross Point Blank. Felix Lapubel. And then he, you know, <laughs> fights John Cusack in, in the hallway of his, uh, of his high school to mirror in the bathroom. Because <laughs> Gross Point Blank, I know that's a movie that you like too, and... I just, I just thought about that connection. I, that's why I that's wanted interesting. to bring it. Yeah. Well, all right. Because yeah. um, he kind of fell but, into that niche where he was, like, training celebrities for a while and working in movies. And then, I, I don't know, you know, I guess that kind of ran its course or whatever. But I was we like, We do oh. have to uh, also go over our poll results. Okay. Um, so we posted, could Prime Patrick Swayze kick your ass? And... 79% of the people said yes. <laughs> so 21% said no. I don't like predicting an outcome. Like talking like I'm too old to be talking about getting into fights anyway, but like but but that but the one thing I will think about though is like seeing Patrick Swayze next to Terry Funk. It was like, wow, he is not big at oh, all. Oh no. Yeah, he's a very small man. Yeah. It's uh it's kind of crazy cuz he's not tall and he was very skinny. Like, yeah, dude probably had like like size twenty six jeans. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But we, we didn't really hey, talk about was... Kelly Lynch that much. But it was like there was that whole thing where she, like Bill Murray, like every time he or one of his brothers is like w- like watching Roadhouse, like they're friends with her husband, and they call her call him during the sex scene to like fucking rib him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad that I'm. Um, that's pretty funny. That, that Bill Murray would even do that because did he he knew her or knew her husband? He's friends with Mitch Glazer. He's oh, like okay. some he was some big he still is a pretty big producer and I guess they were friends and every time he because Kelly Lynch was telling some story during an interview about every she said in her words it was every time Bill Murray or one of his idiot brothers is watching Roadhouse they call my husband in the scene where it's like and they tell him it's like oh she's up against the rocks now. <laughs> And I guess Bill Murray in an interview said that he thought this movie was like kind of underappreciated. It had a complex plot, but who knows if he was like taking the piss or not. Mm, yeah. Good good question. I mean, it really it all just comes down to Julie Michaels though, when it's all said and done. Yeah. That's why we didn't Indeed. That's why that, that's why we didn't talk about Doc that much. My apologies to uh, Yeah, she did ah, she kind of did like, yeah. It is kind of distracting when you have it was kind of like if you ever watched 30 Rock, they had that one girl on the show who was like so hot, it was like a distraction. 
and it became like part of a meta co- commentary on the show like it always got worked in like how good looking well, she was yeah let's think about like why did anybody watch that uh married with children knock off unhappily ever after it's because nikki cox was wearing short skirts and had her her tits out the whole time <laughs> i never watched that show no one went yeah you did no i did not why would i lie i have nothing to gain I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find some VHS. And It'd be better for the discussion. I was like, oh, yeah. It had Bobcat Goldthwait playing a rabbit, like a stuffed rabbit. What? Yeah, it was like the dad was like Al Bundy, and he would talk to the stuffed rabbit and have conversations with it. Who was the dad on the show? Uh, you would know him. He, uh, he always plays like a disgruntled sort of uh, dad. His name is uh, Jack Malloy. No, no, I don't know who that is. Uh, if you saw him, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, that yeah, maybe, is. maybe." But that was like uh, that was Kevin. Like a Kevin Connolly show. plays plays like the Bud Bundy. Uh, Nikki Cox, as I was saying, was like the Ke- you know uh, Kelly Bundy, and yeah, Bobcat played um, played this, and one of the kids from Malcolm in the Middle played like the youngest son, I think, and then Bobcat Goldthwait voiced Mister Floppy. He was like this rabbit. How long was that show that, on for? Uh, it was like a WB show. It was on. It was a sitcom. It was on for five years. Damn, ninety-five to ninety-nine. Wow. Yeah, never seen it. Get learned <laughs> on your on, on your nineteen nineties horniness. Uh, again, why to 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 take a joke from the taker of jokes, Dennis Leary? Why do you think Caroline in the City has such good ratings? I'll tell you why. <laughs> so I mean, we like I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to you wanted to cover with Roadhouse? It sounded like you were done with this like ten minutes ago, and then you started talking about yeah, unhappily ever I, after. It gave you like a fucking second wind. I'll be honest. I picked Roadhouse as sort of this palate cleanser because we got so did heavy, it accomplish was, that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think it did. Well, it depends on what our next pick is, which we're gonna get to you in a moment. But mm. my last thoughts on Roadhouse is I genuinely enjoy it because I don't have to think too much. I can watch it. Uh, at any time uh, when, you know, my kids aren't around anyway. Um, and you don't have to focus too much on it. It's a nice throwback. It's a different era. It's like things were a lot simpler. And I like it for its absurdities. And, you know, even seeing the, you know, Bigfoot monster truck. I had a Bigfoot monster truck toy when I was a kid. And now my son has one, you know, mm. silly shit like that. So I had fun with it. It's a ridiculous movie, but it's fun to watch. And I, if people haven't watched it, I recommend it because it is uh, absolutely absurd in the in the in in a good way. Um, yeah, and it, it so. hits those familiar notes. Like if you like, like I mentioned, if you like movies like Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, it hits those familiar notes. But it, at the same time, I could see in the in the like if you were an adult in '89 and this movie's being marketed to you, and then you show up, and it. I think that was one of the criticisms at the time was that like you look at that you mentioned the poster which I'm glad you did and you know you know Patrick Swayze's doing the whole like I've got my foot up on the wall my arms crossed like it's like oh this is so crazy and then the movie gets really dark like in the the second half so I imagine that probably took a lot of people back back then but you know people left that theater like what the fuck was that (laughs) ending (laughs) I don't know like that was one of the things like I. I wasn't, you know, I've seen, I've seen this movie a bunch of times, but not recently. Like, I can't even remember the last, and, but like, I was just like, wow. I mean, this movie just jumps from thing to thing. And you just kind of let it, you just kind of just get swept up in the craziness. I mean, I don't know how I would have done with the movie was three hours long. If but, we uh, ever find ourselves back on the lake, we got to do some Wesley screens. <laughs> 
Boston! Just drag, just drag somebody out. Just leave yeah. them there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find somebody. All right, man. So uh, it is as tradition, as is tradition, your turn to let us know what we're doing next. All right. A- well, after, after the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Oh, man. I mean, that would be really cool, but I think the, I think the Eagles are just too strong. They, that that Hassan Reddick guy is an absolute fucking nightmare. Well, I, I hate the fucking Eagles, man. All I, well, it's a divisional thing for you, I understand. But it, it's weird, my brother is an Eagles fan. So it's kind of funny that both the teams we've been supporting for half our lives are playing in a Super Bowl. It's just such a bizarre thing to see. I think the Eagles coach should play Wesley in the remake of Roadhouse. <laughs> and get his throat ripped out. Yeah. That by, guy is a douche. By Brian Dable. <laughs> Yes, Dude, all right. But Brian, da- like, how much of a chump does Joe Judge look like now? Oh, apparently he's even like getting shit from like Mac Jones and everybody <laughs> in New England. They don't like him because oh. he showed up like Dwight Schrute and he tried to like overexert himself because he took a demotion to come back home with his tail between his legs. But he tried to like play himself up bigger than his role, his new role, and they didn't like that because he was. Did he go back to coach his special teams? quarterback coach i think oh yeah him him and urban meyer man just exposed as just yeah. bums like yeah. doug peterson took that 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 was like the same team and he got them in the playoffs and won a game in his first season with nick Foles. what nick Foles? they won the super bowl no, no yeah they won the super did. bowl with nick Foles. but i'm talking about when he went down to jacksonville Oh, Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Took, that was he, a good point. Yeah, yeah. he took point. that same yeah. team and won a football a playoff game with them. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. In his first, gotta year. give him credit, yeah. which they shouldn't have won anyway. Yeah, well, you know, Chargers are gonna charge her, but uh, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> well, to kind of wrap up, uh, thanks everybody for you know checking it out. We kind of uh, steal John's bit a little bit, but uh, our next movie. I've been wanting to do this one for a long time, and I don't know. I, I, I'm picking it because February is traditionally the cinematic wasteland. It's when movies, <laughs> when cine- when uh, studios who don't have a lot of faith in their films, they they dump their lesser-known movies that they don't think are going to perform as well, which I think is funny. That's why the new Ant-Man movie is coming out in February. Either that or they're going to try to steal some cheap like heat, like, oh, this is the best, highest-grossing movie in February. But uh, this movie's pretty obscure, but it's a comedy I really enjoy. And I'm really looking forward to revisiting it because I haven't seen it in a while. I watched it a lot when I was younger, and I think there's some like some kind of interesting themes to look at. And that movie is PCU. Directed, Holy shit. Directed by John's favorite diehard character, Ellis. Hart Bachner directed this one. And it has, that's, yeah, that's fucking wild, man. It, it is. Uh, I think it'll be. An, I think it'll be an interesting discussion. Well, well I've, I've wanted to do it for a long time, and um, I have a bone to pick with a line from that movie, which I just, I just saw a, a, a meme of the other day. So I'm gonna save it for that pod. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So uh, that's a and, and and we're talking bald Jeremy Piven here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are. That's some. That's some good shit. Let's do it. I'm, I'm, right, I'm man. glad I you like, sound excited. Like All right. No, yeah. PC, PCU is good. And I haven't seen that in a very long time. Very, very long I, time. I might rewatch it right after we get done with this. I, like, if I didn't have to get my ass up so early, yeah. I would do the same. Like if you're do, while you're doing all the post-production stuff you usually do, I'm probably going to be watching PCU. 
Nice. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'll throw it on. We'll see. <laughs> well, who gives a shit about sleep anyway? <laughs> um, all right. So uh, anything else for, for the folks uh, pre-Chiefs winning the Super Bowl? <laughs> no, man. Take us home. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and being a part of what we got going on here. Just like the movies, subscribe and share it with your friends. Uh, you know, we're doing all sorts of movies. And there may be some where you're like, I'm going to pass on this one. But there's some, even if you don't like a movie, I think there's some things we get into that maybe you'll have a good time listening and you'll laugh and, and like to hear our little tangents and stuff like that. And that's why you're here. So uh, if you have people that are like-minded like you, like having a good time talking about old movies, share a link with them and let them know about what me and Mike got going on here at Just Like the Movies. All muscle, absolutely zero hustle. So... <laughs> Until next time, where we get into PCU and throw it back to some really old school. Uh, this is like, like PCU is like the old school before old school, and even Jeremy Piven's in that movie. So, but it's gonna be oh, a good time. To great connection that. already. If if if, yeah. if, if, this, if this is the, the caliber discussion, that that episode is gonna be lights out. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. But uh, we'll check in with you folks, uh, likely as always in two weeks. Uh, so. Be kind, rewind, relax, and as always, we'll see you around. You won't. I'll let you know.